for people from Seattle who are feeling kind of hopeless right now, just seeing uh, the things that they love about their city just disappearing and being erased, you know, I think that is a normal thing to feel. But I hope that we won't give in to that, you know. I hope that we won't go down without a fight and that we will really put our best foot forward in in struggling to maintain and even grow the things that we love about our city. That's the voice of artist Henry Luke, who appears on today's bonus episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. I'm Jeff Schulman, a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. And in today's episode, I had a chance to sit down with three people who are working together to support a small business and improve their community in Seattle's South End. This episode continues the season six theme of finding community in a dynamic city. Whether you are feeling lost and alone as the city changes around you, or you are new to the city, the season has focused on helping you find a sense of belonging in Seattle. Through this episode, you'll get to hear perspectives on what is changing in this city, And you'll hear an inspiring story of how a community came together to help a small business owner encountering challenging circumstances. The interviews give a chance to get to know individuals who are working hard to give Seattle residents in the South End hope that they can continue to have a place in this dynamic city. And the story you will hear has lessons for other small business owners in the South End and around Seattle. But before we get to the interview, I want to update you on my documentary, On the Brink. The film that the Seattle Times hailed as a cautionary tale and a call to action has opened to packed audiences in neighborhoods around Seattle. The film has even resonated with audiences in cities coast to coast, from L.A. to New York. Communities around the country have taken an interest in what is happening in our city of Seattle. Your next chance to see the film here in Seattle is on November 20th at the Quincy Jones Performing Arts Center. The Meredith Matthews East Madison YMCA is organizing the screening. You heard from their executive director, Greg Lewis, in a previous Seattle Growth podcast episode, and he will be joining me on the panel after the movie, along with Garfield principal Ted Howard. There will be a special appearance by Seattle Supersonic's great Slick Watts, and I'll be there, so come say hello. Uh, Visit www.onthebrinkmovie.com to get tickets to the November 20th screening of On the Brink. That's www.onthebrinkmovie.com. Now, to hear a bit more about the changes in Seattle's South End and what an artist and a small business owner are doing to build a sense of community, join me as I sit down with Gavin Amos, Kevin Wynn, and Henry Luke. I am here with the first ever three-person Seattle Growth Podcast interview. I've got Gavin Amos, who is an Associate Strategic Coordinator for the Central Area Collaborative, I've got Kevin Wynn, a small business owner who Gavin is working together on an interesting project that we're going to hear about today, and Henry Luke, an artist uh, who is also involved in this project uh, to build community uh, on Rainier Avenue. Uh, We're going to find out all about it. Uh, First, uh, Gavin, welcome. Uh, We're going to talk about how the three of you, an artist, an associate strategic coordinator, and a small business owner are connected. Uh, But first, I want to know, what brought each of you to Seattle? So let's start with you, Gavin. What brought you to Seattle? I first moved to Seattle like five years ago. Uh, I came here simply because um, it was just different from where I was at. I wanted to find new opportunities and meet community and make friends and go to school. Where'd you come from? Oh, I'm from Bakersfield, California. And what year did you move here? Uh, 2014. And now let's hear Kevin. I moved here in 95. 
is uh, my dad. He's a South Vietnam vet, so either Ca- Seattle or California. So we chose Seattle. It's just a community here in '95, which is smaller than California. So moved there, start school, and start small business. And Henry, what brought you to Seattle? I grew up here in Seattle. Um, I grew up in the Madison Valley neighborhood, and um, I'm actually um, uh, I grew up in Seattle because my parents are also from Seattle. So I have definitely some roots here and my family's here. You know, I love this city and um, yeah, that's my connection to it. We're still gonna get to what brought all of the three of you together. But first, Seattle has changed a lot, especially in the last seven years. Uh, It seems there's been a dramatic transformation with money and people moving in. I wanna hear what changes have you found most striking since uh, Gavin, you've been here five years and then Kevin and Henry, you've both been here longer than those seven years. So, Gavin, what changes have you found most striking in this boom that you've lived in? It doesn't stop. Um, prices keep on going up. I've yet to have a stable place to live. I move every year since I had a new place to live every year since I moved to Seattle. Um, uh, it just gets more expensive every year. I had to be creative and think of new tactics to stay in the city. Uh and then more so than just that, the uh, the impact that it has on the local community of people who grew up here and seeing how that has like teared up families, moved communities, shifted identities. Um, and then seeing how the overall, because what it reminds me of, because I'm from specifically, I'm from Oildale. Oildale was a company owned town by Standard Oil. And the, the shifts that I see in Seattle remind me of... Uh, the type of culture that exists in Oildale and Bakersfield where it's just uh, market forces taking over like the culture and be able to shift how like people just identify themselves. So uh, that has been the most striking for me, especially seeing all these new people coming here and not knowing the history or taking the time to learn about the totality of uh, the environment we're in, the, the people that uh, are here before us, the art and culture that we're here. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, that's always been like the, the challenge too. And then me being new here, uh, balancing my existence here and how I orient myself and uh, understand I'm a transplant and then I'm, you know, if we look at it at an economic way or a market way, I'm also competition. I could potentially be competition for locals here. So, you know, intentionally, I, I try my best to mitigate that and be like, okay, I'm just here to work with people who are from here and I'm going to learn from them and we're going to learn from each other and we're going to hopefully stay in the city and build wealth. Henry, what changes have you found most striking? Well, I think Seattle has changed really dramatically over the years. It's transformed from really a small town in the time of my parents' generation to um, a a much larger city with a lot of wealth. Um, It's become a very transient, young city as opposed to uh, the family-oriented place that it was in the past. Um, So a lot of professionals have moved in here, um, uh, bringing with them a lot of different culture and uh, different attitude towards um, the way that they're living here. 
I think um, something that has really disappeared in a lot of ways are the focal points of community. I think of certain small businesses or community venues such as um, Life Enrichment Bookstore, the Bush Garden, the Hidmo Airtrain Restaurant, um, where communities were really brought together and some beautiful spaces were formed um, around arts, around culture, and these places have uh, either disappeared or are under threat of um, being pushed out of the neighborhoods where they serve to really bring people together. Um, I think also some important changes that have happened have been the redevelopment of, I believe, every major housing project in Seattle. And so this has caused um, large amounts of people who used to live there and call those places their homes, um, like Holly Park, like Rainier Vista, um, like Yesler Terrace to have to move out of Seattle. Um, and it has really dispersed these communities that once had a place where they could really come together. Um, and so people have scattered out to the suburbs of Seattle, creating much less space to be a community. And Kevin? So we came in 95 and it was much smaller. It was like yeah, you can actually on the freeway without getting into traffic. Seattle actually changed a lot. And I mean, it changed for the better. You know, I mean, it's, it doesn't go as fast as, you know, the east side. But Seattle actually, definitely is changing. There's more people coming in. Um, uh, Colum I grew up in Columbia City. That, that is where, like, like the number one, number, number two ghetto now it's got much better. And then I left. I came back to Mount Baker. And uh, we think it has got better, but then we have this all like all these you know problems that we have with the city, the homeless, the housing, and this and that. And people with well, like small business in Seattle, I would see within the next few years. I mean, we're gonna be be pushing out of Seattle by these big companies. And I mean, given big company have more money, and small business is like we we not we not. We still we still struggle to compete each other, and then against these big company, and then the support, the, the support from the city is not really there, um, and then the support from um, um, landlords is not is not usually there, so they would help out the bigger company, the bigger um, guy, and leave the small business guy behind. Gavin. We have a small business owner who you've chosen to help. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing with Kevin and Henry here and how it came together. So I'm an intern at the Central Area Collaborative, and um, we've been working on the 23rd and Rainier Corridor due to the construction impacts. They, they, they essentially, for about, like, I don't remember how long. I think it was like 12 to 18 months they were digging up that road. And, uh, and it's, this is, this is, uh, this is like, this sparked up a lot of trauma because during the MLK light rail installation that destroyed a bunch of small businesses, a lot of people, a lot of minority owned businesses lost their shops during that construction. The, the, the beginning of the 23rd Avenue renovation project, uh, that's more north towards 23rd and Union, a lot of small businesses were lost during that installation. So this is, was the opportunity for, um, you know, the city to come in and try to uh, uh, add some more support to make sure that 
you know, business small businesses aren't lost and try to mitigate the impacts of gentrification displacement try to mitigate the impacts of uh less traffic coming to their businesses and 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 that slow down and um what essentially happened is that uh, i came in as an intern so i had a mentor who was the first line of uh making these connections and he kind of introduced me to everyone he kind of like made sure that i knew everyone and then it, it got to the point where he just threw me the ropes like okay you know uh i don't know how much money we have left in this pool budget it's not enough but these small businesses are still suffering so we got to just figure out something to get going for them and uh you know we're gonna call them special projects we're gonna make up a budget we don't know what it's gonna be but we just gotta make up a budget and just try to get some pressure on the other side of make sure that these businesses are not forgotten so uh the rainier uh farm stand was one of our cases and uh i've been talking to kevin for about like six months now and uh yeah we'll, he will always tell me i always come back and it'll always be the same things that he's having the same problems with with uh very little support from um government institutions very little support from ngo institutions and and kevin's just happens to be in a situation where you know he's he, he inherited a uh a building that and the building had a bunch of added structures to it the building happened to be next to a metro bus station the building happened to be in this in this this major intersection with uh with 23rd avenue rainier and hill street and it's just like this cluster of uh, issues that, you know, frankly, that people from our communities, from our economies don't have the necessary human business capital to deal with, don't have the necessary financial capital to deal with or the political capital to deal with. And and the thing is, is that, uh, you know, us coming from these communities, we're very aware of this. It's not like, you know, we're stupid and we go get in these situations. And no, it's not that. It's that. We see an opportunity. It doesn't matter what the opportunity is. We got to go get it. So, you know, so yeah, we're just, Kevin was in a difficult situation. And um, I was like, okay, let's see if we could get going. I'm also a small business owner. And um, I've had experience of doing something, uh, similar projects of sorts, where we take a uh, building that is not necessarily anything. It's, uh, it's busted down. It's called creative placemaking. And we try to renovate it or we try to leverage government institutions, funds to be able to beautify it or add vibrancy and, and make it a, a a place where people want to be at. People can um, relate with and identify with. And and the, the truth of the matter is the issues that Kevin deals with is not is not very difficult. It's very simple. He just needs someone to come in and help him cooperate. That's it. Someone to go and message these people and just advocate and and isn't it and and it could be resolved very quickly and especially since the city got so much funds out there there, there there needs to be more funds allocated for projects like this so we didn't have any money when we first started i thought i had like twelve thousand dollars in finding out that there was like none left so uh going into it i was like okay kevin uh i don't know how we're gonna do this but i got the artist i've been talking to henry about this for six months i'm like there's this building i want you to paint on and uh and finally we finally got to the the time and place where we're like okay let's just go do this and um i knew of some grants that i could apply to i knew of some institutions i could go around and talk to and you know that's just how we got it going so let me hear from kevin directly then what are the challenges that you're experiencing 
And we're here to talk about finding community in a dynamic city. And it seems like one way that you're trying to help build community is through this mural project, which we're going to hear more about uh, from Henry as well. What issues are you experiencing and, and what are you hoping uh, you're going to be able to accomplish with the solution? You've the business is um, fruit and vegetable, plainly, fruit and vegetable. So daily, with, I mean, everybody buying the same thing. And I mean, my target and demographic is everybody have, Everybody going to buy the same thing. I'm not going to target, you know, like only one diversity. My hope was was uh, was seeing like I can offer my product, my, my produce, my fruit to everybody, to anybody. But the thing is, the locations is bad. We got broken in. Uh, we have to deal with the bus stop. Uh, landlord didn't, didn't give us no support. Uh, Graffiti, vandalism, broken in, um, quite a few other things. But my hope, which is because I mean, it's a, it's a still growing area, and I mean, like I, I would I would like to see um, that I can grow with with the community to offer customer like the better quality compared to Cubes or Safeway, which is a little higher. But it's we buy everybody everybody buy from the same the same the same distributor, but we are able to sell for at a lower cost but at a higher quality. But then then again, customer is you know they they. They they buy they they buy with the eye, not with the hands. So we so that's a struggle that I, that I'm trying to get you know to a customer like hey, we here, we buy we sell the same thing. It's just better than the store, but it's just my the environment of the building is not it doesn't provide me what I'm trying to do. With without the support, I mean we 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 can buy, but it's not like we making. We it's not like we're making the money like the bigger store do. I mean, the tactic is different. They're bigger. They have more funds. We don't. We've got a, the Rainier Farm Stand in uh, on Rainier Avenue, uh, where it meets 23rd, and you're having challenges with break-ins and graffiti. And so Gavin from the Central Area Collaborative uh, is working with you to help beautify the space, bring a mural, uh, bring art to the space. Henry, why? Have they brought you in? And what do you think art can accomplish? How could art solve this in some way? Um, well, this intersection, uh, 23rd Avenue and Rainier Avenue, is an extremely high traffic intersection. All type of people are commuting through there every day, thousands upon thousands of people. And um, it's a place where... Um, you know, many people could be stopping by this business and, you know, getting some healthy produce on their way home. It would be uh, a great offering. Um, and I would be honored to create a piece of art that can live in this intersection that all of these people will see on a daily basis that may draw some attention to this local business who could really use some support right now and attract people to um, stop by on their way home to pick up some of this produce that Kevin has been working on pulling together and um, bring people together. Um, already in the process of painting this mural, um, I've received lots of really positive feedback where people are excited to see a piece of art coming up in their community. They're shouting out of their cars at me, uh, you know, uh, their feedback, how much they love this piece of art. Um, uh, just how excited they are to see it. Um, and before, I guess kind of backtracking, before this mural went up, um, this little plot of land on the corner behind the bus stop where we're painting 
was a very kind of run down spot. It had a just a a bad vibe. There's, you know, all type of garbage there, you know, heroin needles and stuff. You know, people are just throwing their food there every day. And uh, it was very overgrown with weeds and stuff. And so um, I put out a call saying, would anyone be down to come help me clear up this area? And um, we had an awesome team of volunteers come through who did an incredible job just completely transformed the energy of that space in um, a short amount of time and just through that collective effort really set the tone for now we're gonna we're gonna put in a piece of art you know this is a place where you can sit down and you can be comfortable here and we're gonna create something beautiful here um, so that was a very exciting experience and yeah thus far um, working on the mural has been awesome uh, and it's never a dull moment in this intersection. Also, I just want to point out like the type of business that Kevin decided to go into. He decided he wanted to sell fruits and vegetables at Rainier Avenue. Um, you know, he didn't decide to open up a corner store or sell cigarettes or things that be more easily easy to move. He decided to sell fruits and vegetables. So this is part of, uh, you know, intentionally, he may, may have been unintentional for him, but like, like, like that's, but that's the character that these people in these communities have is that they want to be able to, uh, you know, build the health in their communities. They want to be able to promote that, elevate that. And then with, with Henry over here, Henry's a, he's like, I call him like the gorilla graffiti, uh, mural artist. Cause you go to like small businesses and like he, he has a, he has a he has a history of this. You go to small businesses, and they like typically I'm making these assumptions, but typically small businesses don't have a lot of money for murals. So like he would just go in there and he would just make sure the mural gets put up, and he finds a way he could get paid. And and it's normally and it's typically uh, of communities that of all are, that are of all of our likeness in this room. So um, it's just like I just really want to like you know the character of the people doing this work uh, makes it like so much easier for me to just like just grind this out because um it's not like uh we're hired is just for business or economical reasons it's like the people have decided that you know if they're gonna make a living they're not gonna do it at the at the expense of the people and so henry you've done this before and we're talking about building a sense of community in a dynamic city as so much people and money are moving in and people moving out what have you seen in terms of how these projects build community and, and what's your vision for the next one, how it's going to help build a sense of belonging and community? In general, my goal with creating art, um, public art, is that the people in the neighborhood where I'm painting see a bit of themselves in the mural that I'm working on. And so that they feel at home in this place and they feel reflected in the art that's there. So in painting this mural, I was trying to think of what is the concept for this? What, what is the right image to put up in this intersection? And so I was walking around there. I was going to the bus stops around the area and talking to people and asking, you know, what do you want to see here? What would you be excited to see every day, um, you know, on your commute uh, to school, to work, whatever, um, on this wall? And so I got some different ideas. And there was these kids at the bus stop who were uh, just getting out of school and they were like, you should put a dragon on there, you know, with some dragon fruit, that would be sick. And so 
you know, that just, that's just kind of an, you know, impulsive idea someone's throwing out there, but it got me thinking, you know, and I was thinking about these bus stops and what do these buses mean? They're carrying these people home, um, and, uh, transportation and dragons and culture and the fruit stand. And so what I came up with for this design is, um, it's uh, the number seven King County Metro bus with a dragon that's wrapping around it. And it's sur- surrounded by an assortment of the produce, the fruits that you could buy at Kevin's produce stand. Um, and so sort of the meaning behind that is that, um, you know, the number seven bus, which goes all the way down Rainier Avenue and used to go all the way downtown um from in between downtown and Rainier Beach. Um, and this bus is very iconic. You know, it, it has a legacy. It's famous. There was multiple people at the bus stop before I had written the route number on the bus. And they were asking me, what number is the bus going to be? And at the same time, both of us would say, it's going to be the seven. It has to be the seven. Uh, you know, it's iconic. Um, you know, uh, uh, all type of people you'll see riding the seven, you'll hear so many different languages on that bus. Uh, everyone has some kind of story from their experience riding the seven. And it's, it's a symbol of the South end for sure. And a symbol of the community. Um, another aspect is the dragon, uh, which, you know, for me as an Asian American, uh, I, I wanted to have that symbol in there. Uh, not just because a middle school kid said that it would be sick to have it in the mural, but also because um, in my culture, uh, a dragon is a symbol of good luck and wisdom um, as opposed to like a symbol of destruction as it's known in uh, Western cultures. And so uh, representing that culture was important to me as well. And Kevin, how have you felt seeing Gavin working to get funds, Henry working to involve the community. How have you felt seeing this all starting to come together? I never thought it happened. I mean, I, we see graffiti on, and we get uh, we got the King County Court came come down and helped us paint it. You know, like um, volunteer um, landlord um, told us either we paint it or we get uh, tickets from the city. And I mean, you know, paint is not cheap. So by seeing Gavin for the first time. And he was offering something that I'm like, okay, do you know what you're talking about? Because these things cost a lot of money and a lot of times and I don't have the money and landlord would not, you know, put anything to help me, uh, not even a fence. So Gavin, Gavin put together an idea. At first, I'm like, I, I, I don't know, Gavin. It's just, it's just, okay, let's, let's work through this. So he actually pulled it together and it helps a lot. I mean... With with all the grass, with all the uh, the weed that grown on the side, the bus stop, we put bins there for actually for for the bus rider to throw, to throw the trash in rather than on the, on the grounds. Uh, landlord didn't help. I got a lot of call from the city to tell me tell me to remove it, and I I said, well, you have to deal with the bus stop first. So Gavin, gave me other ideas, and you know, and Henry came in with his uh, volunteer, helped me with the with the with the with the back, which I never could could have done it myself. Because, you know, there is not much for me to work with. When this guy showed up, and I'm like, wow, it really happens. And we we, ha- we actually have customer coming in and say, hey, we we like what you do with the place. Rather than I have customer 
came in before and said, hey, you need to paint the wall. You need to remove the graffiti. And I told him, I'm not the building owner. I can't do anything. There is nothing for me to do. I, I don't have any fun to do it. So this guy put it on and they told me to put uh, cameras and lights. You know, like if you have camera and lights, less chance to get graffiti attack again. So Henry was like, okay, let's let's wait it out. And I mean, the the painting was on for two two weeks more now. There was no graffiti. And these guys actually leave me alone. So I actually helped the buildings a lot. And I'm like, okay, this thing that will never happen if I these guys would approach me. Uh, that's, I mean, it's really nice for some, for, you know, for small business. So taking a step back, what does a collaboration like this show the rest of Seattle? My attention when uh, putting this together was to essentially show how it's possible for us to all participate in um, essentially helping each other grow. Um, I wanted to have it be where, you know, people don't need to be displaced or moved out in order for Seattle to grow. Um, you know, you don't have to go buy a QC or Safeway if you want to get groceries. Um, and, you know, artists don't have to, in order to have people express themselves, they shouldn't have to do it for free. You know, all these these things that, that come in, it's a, it's like a, if we were to write a Venn diagram, we're going to have to put like seven circles, right? Because uh, this intersects in so many different ways and under so many different classes and economies, socially, environmentally, um, even just, and, and culturally, you know, the the plants that were growing out on Kevin's, Kevin's property, it was so interesting because a lot, because I did my research, all those plants were um, considered a... Uh, invasive species but we always see a chinese woman come by every month and uh she'll start cutting some of these to us that are weeds and invasive species but to her it's medicine for her knees and her joints right so it's just like uh having these different perspectives and when you see something right to me it could be a weed but to someone that's medicine right so seeing how like uh what we did with this with the space is just it's supposed to be just an example of what is possible we didn't have a lot of uh, funnier support for this, but we still made this happen. And I want to be able to continue doing this work in the future and continue help Kevin build his business. And, you know, I worked with Mesh across the street at Detour Coffee and continue working with Mesh to build his business and making sure that these people are able to thrive with Seattle and the South End doesn't get displaced or that histories get lost. Henry, what do you hope that people take away from this story that uh, applies generally to Seattle? I think Gavin said it perfectly, um, you know, support the local communities here, uh, support, you know, small business owners, support local artists, um, and we can make this city beautiful um, in a way that's not at the expense of the people who call it home already. You know, for somebody who might might have seen, you know, their friends or family move out of the city, the businesses they would once frequent uh, close down and move on, uh, and they're feeling and questioning whether they belong in this city that's changing so much. What can they learn from your experience collaborating together? Yeah, if you're talking about business perspective, the city is growing too fast. So it's about convenience. So it's pretty much we work all day and we don't, we're not going to have time to walk around a store to pick up anything. So it's pretty much it's a click of a button, you know, drive through, pick up to, for a bigger store. For, uh, for small business, uh, retails. You're gonna be pushing out. You're gonna be get pushed out by, by these big company, 
And so the reason they they will be they will be moved out. There will there is no support from the city or from uh, for small business. They will get pushed out. And of course, you gotta be out will be out of city limits somewhere in Renton, Kent, which is you know less big uh, competition. Which is you can you still gonna be able to survive and thrive there. But here in the city limit, you're gonna be get pushed out by convenience by um, things that that you that that you can't compete. What Kevin's saying is the reality that small business owners face in uh, South Seattle, specifically minority-owned businesses, because we are the most uh, vulnerable business owners, and uh, we are the first to go if anybody has to go. But on top of that, we also have the power to innovate because we are from different cultures, and uh, how we have been able to be resilient and still exist under these dire situations is because of our interrelated communities and the interdependence of those communities and be able to cooperate with each other and be able to uh, keep our money within each other. So if uh, if there were to be an alternative to this situation that we're in, it would be intentionally, um, like, like I will even go even bigger, because um, I will, like, my big push is for, for uh, philanthropists and all these, these people who are divvying out money to these NGOs. They need to start targeting small business owners if they really want to make the impacts that they're trying to make for communities and vulnerable communities um having a workshop for you know people in the community uh is not enough to be able to really uh you know create the change that they're trying to the impacts that they want to create to me the most impactful thing to do is to be able to be able to support someone like kevin and be able to uh, go in and give kevin like, be able to provide kevin with a consultant so we'd be able to train workforce be able to have uh, the marketing he needs to do renovations on a structure to all these things that probably cost at most fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, which is a drop in a bucket for a lot of these organizations. That's for me. That's that's the most direct way to be able to transition into this more shared cooperative economic model is to support the people in the communities who are already employing that that model. Kevin hasn't talked about this, but he is leveraging his his resources in order to essentially incubate someone a member is community's business right and 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 we already come from a from from positions and situations of uh of uh not a lot so this is the type of heart that goes in our communities and um and frankly we we, we are we're betting on ourselves but we need more support in order to be able to really you know mitigate displacement uh you know build a world we want to see all these different things i would just say for people from Seattle who are feeling kind of hopeless right now, just seeing the state of things, seeing uh, the things that they love about their city just disappearing and being erased, you know, I really resonate with that. I think that is a normal thing to feel with how things have been going and to feel that sense of hopelessness, um, you know, creeping in. But I hope that we won't give in to that, you know. I hope that we won't go down without a fight and that we will really put our best foot forward in in struggling to maintain and even grow the things that we love about our city and, you know, to defend the communities that we have here. Um, it's going to require effort. You know, uh, people are resisting gentrification. People are, you know, uh, uh, are uh, using their creativity and working together to, um, you know, create new projects like this one that bring people together. And I think we just got to do things like that. 
So, you know, I salute everyone who is putting that effort in and fighting for their community because I think that's what we'll need to do. So you have a GoFundMe page trying to fund this project that's going to help Kevin's Rainier Farm Stand at, at 23rd and Ray, Rainier Avenue. Where are you in the raising the money and what do you need more money for? Well, we have been raising money. It's been an awesome collaborative community effort. We've gotten a couple grants. Uh, we've got a matching grant from the Satterberg Foundation. Uh, we've received grants from the city of Seattle. And we've also received some very generous contributions from individual community members, you know, small contributions that have really added up. So altogether, I think we have raised about $6,000, um, which is excellent for um you know a very grassroots project like this um so that money would go to um the labor that i'm putting into uh making this mural possible it will go into buying the paint the rollers the gloves the um spray paint the graffiti coating that we're going to put on at the end uh, as well as any other materials that may be needed um, and any other expenses that come up. So um, this has been a really excellent effort. I'm s extremely grateful to everyone who has made a contribution. And um, I definitely think that we can continue and uh, so that uh, we can fully fund this project, which our goal was about eight or $9,000. Um, and... Um, Honestly, that is a living wage for an artist in Seattle as expenses really grow in order to live here. I say you donate whatever you can, as much as you can, um, because uh, I talked to Henry about this. Once we uh, exceed a certain point, that's when we'll start splitting the money off to be able to support the business and 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 other creative artists because there's still like uh, garage doors. That that are graffitied up that need that need some there's still work to be done, so um, it'd be great if you get the additional fifteen hundred. But we will, I'm gonna push for as much as we can get. Um, our communities operate off a deficit to begin with, and anything that could come in will help. I wanna you know I want projects like this for Henry, you know I want potentially to pay artists fifteen thousand dollars put a mural up, because if we support artists and we show that there's a there's a there's a there's a viable actual uh there's a viable career for artists to stay in the city that creates more space for other things that creates more space for organi organizing creates more space for um place making creates more space for business owners so it's all interrelated and i'm, I'm trying to push for as much as i can for the, the people in the south seattle community to get what they can and so if somebody wants to donate, they can go to www.seattlegrowthpodcast.com and find this episode and the GoFundMe link within that. Uh, why would somebody want to go to seattlegrowthpodcast.com and, and click on that GoFundMe link? What's in it for them? Well, that's the beginning. You know, that's how having all the types of conversations is opens lanes for solutions to gentrification and displacement. If we could have this be a success story where Kevin... You know, he starts thriving and he becomes, you know, his food business becomes a great story. And we start having local farmers go in and sell their produce at Kevin's Space and all these different things that we want to be able to promote. That means that we're encouraging this type of behavior. We want to economically encourage people who are of community, completely invested in community, who are um, making their, their ends on promoting community. 
So that's what that's what we want to grow. We 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 don't we want to grow that mindset. We don't want to keep on having this scarcity competitive based thinking. Um, we want to be able to promote people who are invested in community and who ensure that if they make a dollar, that their brothers and sisters are also getting that same dollar. Um, that's that's the biggest thing. And like for me, is the is the mindset of all this. It was a faith. This was a faith based project. There was no money at the beginning. Um, well, stuff like the $500 that Kevin, that <laughs> Kevin scourged up at the beginning. I don't even know where that came from. I was shocked. I was like, oh, wow, you're right at that? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I think everybody in the area was like, uh, okay. So, like, uh, so things like that, that's, uh, we want to promote this. We want to be able to promote this. We want to promote more of these, these, these activities in the, in the future. I don't want to live in a world where in order for me to make a living, I had to look at everyone around me as competition or isolate myself from that. I want to be, be, I want to be a community guy. I'll just add that, um, yeah, any support is extremely appreciated and this has been truly a community effort. So everyone who has rolled some paint on that wall or picked some weeds or donated anything, you know, $5 even, you know, you're part of this project. And when you see this mural, I want you to know that you helped make it happen. And so that is, you know, uh, your win as well for the community. So, um, yeah, everything counts, everything matters. And we appreciate really any contribution that people can make. And can you describe what, what it felt like seeing people coming together and pulling weeds and throwing away trash outside your store? I was surprised. I was surprised. I'm like, wow, these guys actually come out and help. Right? Uh, you know, like uh, really try to make a big difference. Because, I mean, I, it, the, the building is on, is on the really big intersection. You actually, if you drive to right near the intersection, you won't miss this. It's a building right there. Rather than, uh, you know, trash getting piled up, these guys come out and help clean the building. This building been here, been here for like since 1900. It was like a gas station. It was something else, and then now become a food stand. So the it would help us a lot to visualize to the community, to the um, the newcomer, to all these new projects that that coming up that would you know put us out there like, hey, we are the alternative to QFC and Safeway down the street, and then Chinatowns. Um, you no know, customer like to go little store to see what we have because we have more choice than big store, and these and then these Henry and his friend came over and helped. And I'm like, wow, they really try to make a difference rather than, um, rather than just like have uh, just you know have us run our business and they're gonna high rise these these projects like like what they have in the community. They have about three or four four projects going on right now. Um. I, I really feel the support from landlord is not helping us is because they have a different agenda. But these guys really, when I see them help, I'm like, okay, when they, they really trying to make, trying to keep it maintained in the community because uh, we here in the middle and, you know, try to make a difference from, for, uh, for uh, customers and diversity. Well, I also want to uh, talk about so more of Kevin's situation because this is a situation for small business owners that so like twenty third and Rainier, uh, there's over a billion dollars being invested in that intersection, so it's going to look completely different in about two three years. So, um, I want to I'm I'm starting to push now to get Kevin equity of the building. I want Kevin to have some type of ownership of the building because he's in there he's maintaining the building. If if it's going to be sold, uh, the family in that community needs to be able to uh grow in wealth as well um 
that's a concern I have. Uh, that's that's something that's been happening all across Rainier Valley. As people, you know, they, they're leasing out these buildings, they're putting in this TI, they're putting in all this energy to make it seem nice, but they get none of the dividends once it gets sold, or they get displaced and they can't return, or all these different things. So there's all kinds of situations going across uh, Seattle that's like that black and tan hall. It's another situation where people are trying to own their building and they need they need help with that. Um, so building equity in Seattle for these communities is uh, is very important. Um, finding creative solutions. There's all kinds of solutions out there. There's the Ujima Project in Boston where uh, folks are trying to redistribute wealth. Uh, it's a democratic model where you invest any kind of dollar, you have the same voting power as someone who invested a million dollars as someone who invested 15. So this is the type of you know communities that we want to build is to be able to really truly grow wealth and for folks to you know, like stop having to deal with having less of a means stepping back each of you have different projects going on i know you've all come together to build the mural and the improvements at the rainier farm stand on rainier avenue and, and 23rd i want to hear how somebody could help each of you individually on, on what else you're working on. So let's start with Henry, the artist who's done this, not just for Kevin, but has done murals for other small businesses. How can a listener uh, learn more about you and try to help you along your journey? Well, at the moment, um, I'm not working on very many projects, but um, if you want to follow my art, you can find me on Instagram at art by Henry Luke, H-E-N-R-Y-L-U-K-E, uh, where you'll just see upcoming projects, I might post other opportunities for people to volunteer, um, and generally you can follow what I'm doing. And Kevin, how else can somebody support what you're trying to do on Rainier Avenue and 23rd? So really, uh, really down to the point, support your small business retails. Um, I know, I know it's a hassle, you know, like you have to get your fruit and vegetable one place and go to another place to get your meat and your fish. But at the same time, uh, if you, I mean, small business really need the support from customer rather than go and deal with QFC, Safeway, or Walmart, or anywhere that would, you know, extract you by price, you're going to buy something else. Just the convenience. It's just, um, yes, the convenience really is really, is really, you know, the, the best thing for customer people right now at, the, at, the, at this time, the convenience. But small business would, appreciate the help that you so you can support gavin how could somebody help you in the central area collaborative on on some of your other projects yeah yeah well you know if you want to support me go to go to cafe avo get some coffee we have these conversations every day uh, a lot of the people from the collaborative pull up there the central area collaborative is uh is is tricky because we were dependent on um grants in order to fund our organization so uh that's kind of that's kind of a tricky one but just participating in like just daily community activities like you know going to a small business saying what's up to you know kevin at the farm stand or uh you know coming to my coffee shop and getting some coffee that'd be great really appreciate that oh we didn't get to talk about that yeah, yeah cafe avo rainier and holly you know we do ethiopian coffee it's uh it's the entire process is ethiopian is ethiopian owned it's ethiopian roasted the coffee beans are ethiopian so that's uh that that was another interesting story too that was that that business was started uh entirely by community as well so you know south seattle got a lot of love for their people uh love for us to have some more support any concluding thoughts 
Thank you very much, Jeff, for having us on your podcast. And uh, we hope that this story has been uplifting or enriching for the people who get to hear it. If you're a young artist in Seattle um, and you're interested in um, putting your work out there in the community, just go for it. You know, um, I think I started my career as a mural artist really without much experience. And I just kind of tried my best, talked to people, put my art out there. And eventually, you know, here I am uh, painting a mural in one of the major intersections of South Seattle. And I'm really proud of that. So I just want to say, I think that other people can do it too. And people who are from Seattle can have success in that. So I wish you the best. October 25th, we're having a mural review at the Rainier Farm Stand. Please come by. We're starting at 12, we're ending at 4. Um, oh, and it was sponsored by the Seattle Office of Arts and Culture and Satterberg Foundation. So what's going to happen at this mural reveal? I think it'll be a pretty simple little event, uh, but it's a chance for us to present the finished work to the community. We'll have some chance for people to hear from myself, the artist, Kevin, if Gavin wants to say anything, um, uh, and just celebrate that this work has been finished and um, people can ask questions and maybe we can have a little food uh, and just enjoy ourselves on 23rd and Rainier. All right, so a chance to gather together as a as a community, meet your neighbors, and see the artwork, and come together and celebrate uh, this project. So October 25th at noon on 23rd and Rainier. Gavin, Kevin, Henry, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. That is all for today's bonus episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Have an opinion to share? Please reach out to me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman. And make sure to subscribe to Seattle Growth Podcast in iTunes so you don't miss a single episode. And follow the Seattle Growth Podcast Facebook page for updates. And if you like Seattle Growth Podcast, you will love my feature-length documentary, On the Brink, which looks at the changes in Seattle's Central District. We are having a big showing at the Quincy Jones Performing Arts Center on November 20th. The event is being organized by the Meredith Matthews East Madison YMCA, and you can get tickets by visiting www.onthebrinkmovie.com slash screenings. That's www.onthebrinkmovie.com slash screenings. And as we close out this episode, I want to thank the elected officials and those seeking election who have come to see the film and learn more about this important part of Seattle's history. That includes State Senator Jamie Peterson, State Representatives Eric Pettigrew and John Fitzgibbon, King County Council Members Larry Gossett and Joe McDermott, City Council candidates Mark Solomon, Alex Peterson, and Phil Tavel, and school board candidate Molly Mitchell. I want to thank Ed Cromer for his work on the University of Washington Foster School of Business blog, and I want to thank you for listening and for joining me on this journey in the sixth season of Seattle Growth Podcast.